This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, a wonderful Friday afternoon to you all, folks. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I am Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus, and we've got a great show to head into the weekend. So much going on. We're going to be talking Winnipeg Jets after that big win last night over the Montreal Canadiens. One more game for the Jets before Monday's trade deadline. We'll be all over that with the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, the one and only Paul Edmonds coming up. We're also going to talk with a very good friend of the program, a member of the Jets organization that has been integrally involved in the Jets Legends series. And wow, what a piece they did last night on Crappie. Um, if you're in the chat and you saw it last night, let us know what you thought of it. Kyle Ballhari is going to join us around 2 o'clock. And we will also hook up with Lori Stoddy out in St. Adolph. Today is the day, folks, that uh, we need to get behind St. Adolph for the Craft Hockeyville contest. Got to vote online and uh, get those votes going. And hopefully we can help St. Adolph win uh, a big upgrade for their arena, which desperately needs it. So we'll find out more about that a little bit later on. Uh, but let's welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Remus. Remo, what is up? How you doing as we head into the weekend? Feeling good, Huss. Hard not to be feeling good. The weather is nice, although we have had some rain, and the Jets got a win. The trade deadline is coming up. We have the Masters. Baseball's underway. Uh, this is awesome. It's kind of funny because uh, it's the trade deadline on Monday, but normally around this time, I was my phone came up with some memories. I'm usually doing like a playoff hockey draft, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess normally the playoffs would be starting pretty soon." But this is nothing like a normal season, the shortened season uh, with only the Canadian division. So yes, uh, trade deadline coming up. We'll we'll be tuned to see if there's any deals going down before Monday. Yeah, we'll have a big show on Monday. We're kind of I'm not exactly sure how it will all work. Um, depending on what the Winnipeg Jets do, we might you know if there's a big deal early on, maybe we start off a little earlier. We'll lean on some of the boys, the uh, the regs, and see when uh, when they're available. But we could have an expanded show, and certainly if there are some significant moves, we'll be talking all about it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I imagine Reem the conversations amongst Jet fans, um, you know, over the next few days. And I talked about this on the commentary on CGOB today. Um, you know, with everything all, for all intents and purposes decided as to who is going to be in the playoffs, these next three days, um, you know, as much as we'll watch and look forward to a Hockey Night in Canada game with the Jets and Montreal Canadiens, is um, most of the conversations are about Monday at 2 p.m. and what NHL GMs, but in particular Kevin Sheveldayoff, might have up his sleeve before that bell goes. Yeah, I think what we can tell for sure is they're going to get a defenseman. Is it going to be the number one offensive defenseman you know, that they need. You know, that you look at uh, goals, the Jets don't have many jo- from defensemen. Josh Morrissey got on the board yesterday, but they could use a little more offense from the defense, but also has a little more defense. Uh, Got to help out Connor Hellbuck, or will they go with more of a depth guy as they've done in the past? Does the Blake Wheeler injury, uh, does that force them to maybe go get a depth forward or maybe a middle six forward? I mean, you look at some of the prices. If the Islanders can get two, I think, pretty quality forwards in Palmieri and Zajac for only a first-round pick, you know, some other guys and retaining some salary, it seems like some of these prices, Huss, are going to be, you know, players with or teams with the UFAs might be just giving away some players to uh, teams who are going for the playoffs. 
it's quite obvious that patience is the name of the game right now with NHL GMs, with the exception of Lou Lamorello. And there was that move yesterday um, with the with the Florida Panthers. But I think what the Panthers were doing at Bolzito was trying to, you know, maneuver themselves into a cap situation where they could take on more money. Um, of course, they I would think that they would love to add a defenseman similarly to the Winnipeg Jets, considering, you know, a really significant injury to, uh, you know, their main guy on that blue line in Aaron Ekblad. So, you know, with the deadline coming up, and, and, you know, your point about the Wheeler injury is interesting. And, you know, I think we've talked all year long about how, you know, deep and, and frankly healthy the Winnipeg Jets have been. A big reason why um, Jansen Harkins is, you know, has only played the amount of games that he's played is that, you know, it was a bit of a numbers game and everyone was healthy. Um, you know, Coach Maurice, after yesterday's game, did confirm that Blake Wheeler has been categorized as a concussion, so he's in the protocol. And they'd already said that he wasn't going to be playing these five games on the road trip, um, partly because of just travel. If he was able to do it, getting back with the team, you have to fly private. There's a whole bunch of things that go into that. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of there with you on that. I mean, if the Jets are willing to give up their first-round pick, um, and they're leaning on, let's say it's a David Savard or it's Alexiak or it's Josh Manson. You know, there might be a different value for each of those players. Manson, of course, has another year of term on his contract. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see as part of a package, maybe a second player coming over in that deal um, to give Jets, uh, to give the Jets a little bit more um, depth and just, you know, a contingency plan for if nothing else. I mean, I do think Winnipeg is very happy with the players that they have right now on the roster. And if Blake Wheeler is, is healthy, um, they're more than confident that they can go in and go toe to toe with most teams with their top 12. Um, but again, you can't take anything for granted. And if your plan is to play for two months in the Stanley Cup playoffs and get to that fourth series and win 16 games, um, you know, you, you're going to need a lot more than 12 players up front. I think it's safe to say, and history has told us that before. Yeah, you can never have too many defensemen. I remember years of this team going down so far down the list. I feel like they've, you know, kind of starved off the injury bug here. Uh, you know, Blake Wheeler just got hurt. But before that, I mean, all their guys have been healthy, haven't missed any defense. And, you know, you see teams, as you go on in the playoffs, they get banged up. You just got to go more and more down the depth chart, and you can never have too much depth. I'm not saying, you know, we all know there's people in chat responding. You know, they have a lot of forwards. I, mean, I know that they do, but you can never have have too many. And it, it's funny, you like the way the team's going, and it's like if you get a new defenseman, who's coming out of the lineup? Or you get a forward, who's coming out? Things seem to be going so well for them. Um, you know, no one really deserves to be taken out of the lineup. No, no, it, it's a great point, and that's something we'll talk about Paul with Paul Edmonds in just a couple minutes here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. In the meantime, for those of you that are with us live right now on YouTube, and thanks for everyone that's there, make sure to hit that thumbs up button and give us a like. Uh, also in the chat, I uh, would love to hear from you all as to what you're hoping to see added for the Winnipeg Jets. Is there a particular player um, that you're targeting? I mean, it's pretty clear the defense would be the number one priority, I think, in adding. But as Michael said, there might be the need for, you know, another depth forward, um, you know, considering the goal of playing for two months come uh, come playoff time. So hit us in in the chat as to what you would like to see the Winnipeg Jets. How about this one from LB Reem? Trade a 2021 first-round pick, 2022 first-round pick, Veseline and Niku Perot to Columbus for Patrick Laine. <laughs> a, a lot of people want Laine back. Well, what if Columbus Hell, he offers... might want to come back, too, considering the way things are yeah. going in CBJ right now. 
He's kind of kind of hoping. Uh, I don't know. I can't really see that happening. Maybe like down the road, you know, at the end of his career, one last hurrah with the team that drafted him. I think the ship has kind of sailed with the way. But a lot of Jets fans in our in our comments uh, here in the chat and on Instagram. Well, what if you know Columbus somehow he becomes a UFA with the qualifying offer and the Jets could sign him. I don't. I think the Jets. Uh, they don't really have the cap room, and no, it's not it, happening already, now. It, it, it's, it's I already, did have we, a. We, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say I did have a bar top conversation with a friend a few days ago, just kind of spitballing and having some fun, envisioning a JVR type situation with Philly, where you know drafted by them, plays there, gets traded. And then when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, he signs back with the original team. You never know. It might be a great the grass isn't always greener scenario. Well, the grass certainly isn't greener right now in Columbus for a certain Finnish uh, sniper that we used to cheer for here in Winnipeg. Hey, as always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily and Winnipeg Sports Talk Channel brought to you by Not Autocore, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, our golf sponsor, Breezy Ben. We'll get to some Masters updates as well. Um, and our friends out at Aikens Lake. Um, and not, I, I mentioned, you know, we said, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? If you're thinking about going electric, the future, the Tesla, they have been the Tesla headquarters in Winnipeg for years right now and have a number of vehicles in stock. As I said, if you're real next level, Trevor Not will even uh, take Bitcoin for the vehicles as well. Pop down, see him, Waverly and McGilvery or online at not.ca. And uh, hey, the weekend's coming up. Another big game tomorrow. Great night to get out to Boston Pizza or order in. If you get the pizza flights and any Molson product, whether you're eating in, taking out, or delivery, you'll get a chance to call your shot with BP and Molson for a chance to win um, instant Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-made ODR backyard rink for next season, or even maybe a VIP NHL package. So uh, all that Boston pizza this week and get that great game day meal as well um, tomorrow night. Um, Remo, back to last night's game for a minute. This was, in a lot of ways, one of those, um, I don't want to say a typical Jets game, but we've seen many of these uh, like that this season where, you know, the team's kind of comfortably up on the scoreboard and midway through the game, you look over at the shot clock and you're like, what? It's like 22-9 or whatever the case was. And, you know, what was interesting about the game last night was while, you know, the Jets, you know, had, you know, some, you know, obviously they scored in the first 30 seconds of the game with Josh Morris, who was huge, got another contribution from the fourth line with Trevor Lewis. And then Nikolai Ehlers blazing speed breaks his 11 game scoring streak uh, slump, I should say, and gets on the board. The Jets still at times were spending a lot of time in their own end. And what was interesting, I thought for some real strong play on the bottom six, um, it didn't take long for Paul Maurice to make some changes and ended up swapping Andrew Kopp and Nikolai Ehlers midway through the game, despite the fact that the team was certainly in control on the scoreboard. Yeah, I saw someone tweet out, I think you liked it, show me the most Jets picture ever and uh, showed his. It was the Jets being outshot like 24 to 9 and the score being 3-1 for the Jets. And I think, you know, someone both posted in chat, that's why I don't trust analogs. I'm fully in favor on board with, you know, looking at shot attempts and stuff, but the Jets are a different team. Um, they don't go by analytics. They have, they have the best goalie. If he, see, if he can see a shot, he is stopping it. Unless, uh, you know, it's bouncing off weirdly off the backboards at Bell Center. We can get on that. 
But Hellbuck, I mean, he's unbelievable. And the Jets, they don't need too many chances to put one in the back of the net. We've seen this for years. Shifley got a great shot. Ehlers, game-breaking speed. Kyle Connor is uh, taking over line A spot on the power play on, you know, the mirror image side. So, uh, you know, the Jets are being outshot. Yeah, you know, maybe it's obviously not great long-term, but they've shown that that's the way that they play. And uh, I think I think Montreal fans were saying the same thing. This is so Montreal. We have all these scoring, you know, all this opportunity, and we can't put the puck in the net. So, you know, some teams are, you know, some teams just that's how it is for them. But uh, as for the Jets, and you you like to see Paul Maurice say, you know what, this isn't working. We're going to mix up the lines. And Andrew Kopp, I think he's played on just about every line this year, and he's done it the last couple of years, and he's so valuable to have a guy who can play center, who can play wing, who can play penalty kill, who can play power play. Yeah, I mean, he's led he's led the team in ice time for a couple of games this year just because of the way the game has gone. So uh, kudos to him. You like to see a little, you know, balancing of the lines. You know, Dubois, Ehlers, maybe the pair. Connor Shifley is the pair. And, uh, you know, bounce it around. So... Uh, ended up working out. They got a win, and, and that was definitely the game they had to win. Montreal uh, played the night before in Toronto. Jake Allen playing on back-to-backs. So you got your two points. You hope you can get a bonus two tomorrow night. Jets underdogs again last night. I'm looking head underdogs again tomorrow. Um, no, it's, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They're a slate underdog. We'll get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on today on the program. Um, and of course, we'll get into it with Paul Edmonds and discuss last night's game. I'll look ahead to tomorrow and get the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on Jets Radio CJOB and his thoughts on the upcoming trade deadline. And as I mentioned, um, you know, we've got Kyle Ball, Harry, coming up. Ball's a great friend of mine. Used to work together back in the day, and he's been doing such a great job of the production. But, man, what a different year for a guy like that, Remus, without fans in the building. And I will tell you, we're now seeing the fruits of what he and that team have been doing for a number of months, putting together, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the team back here in Winnipeg, despite no fans, with this incredible Jets legend series. And I got to tell you, the crappie piece last night had me grabbing for the Kleenex. That was a serious tearjerker. And I think anyone that's been around this market for the last 10 years, watching the Winnipeg Jets, taking part at games, going to Bell MTS Place, um, remembers what a special guy he was and how much he meant to so many Winnipeg Jet fans. And as we heard last night, so many members of the actual team as well. Yeah, I was, they even had uh, owner David Thompson talking about crappie. In that, and these Jets legends, I've really enjoyed. Them. The first one was on the first game. The other one was on the first playoff series versus Anaheim. Uh, this one on Crappie, uh, Len Kropiowski. Well, I remember him, you know, being shown during the anthems, you know, front row at the Jets games, and it showed him, uh, you know, on the ice with Stacey Natras during the during the anthem. So it, uh, it was uh, very well done, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing from uh, from Balls to see about about putting these together, but also, you know how game production has changed with no fans. I mean, I always laugh when you hear Jay Richardson announcing the goals. There's no, there's nobody there, but you can hear them <laughs> announcing the goals uh, after the game. So they're, I think they're trying to make it feel like a regular game as much as possible, even if you're watching at, watching at home. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, never mind, um, you know, the in-arena experience without fans. Uh, can't wait to ask our pal Paul Edmonds about what it's like calling games, not being on the road in this crazy, crazy year. And we'll do that coming up in just a second. One uh, forty-five today, if you're watching live with us here on YouTube, uh, we'll also check in with St. Adolph and the Craft Hockeyville promo. Lori Stoddy's going to join us, one of the organizers, and tell us how we can all step up and help St. Adolph refurbish their arena, which desperately, desperately needs it. Um, 
But, you know, without further ado, let's fire this up, Remo. We'll uh, welcome in the longtime play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Jets, formerly with the Gold Eyes. Well, a guy that's pretty much called just about everything. Um, and first and foremost, a very good friend of both of us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, the one, the only, Paul Edmonds. Paulie, great to see you, my friend, and uh, great to have you for the first time here on WST. What's going on? Uh, no, things are good. I mean, I think I could probably speak for a lot of families that have kids that are involved in, and are active in sports. And the last, you know, 13, 14 months have been very trying because you have kids that are involved in hockey and baseball and volleyball. And, you know, it just hasn't been the same. And we've had two lockdowns and shutdowns in the game of hockey. And for a lot of kids, and I mean the majority across the province, they haven't played a meaningful game in 12 months. So that's been tough. And I think that while, you know, I can speak for my wife and I, we've been able to have some interaction because we go to work, right? The kids go to school, put a mask on. But other than that, there's just no other social activities for them. And their social and recreational activity is to be involved in sports and to see their friends that they have through sports and recreation. So that's been tough. It's been a little bit better in the last month or so that they've gotten back onto the ice and and got involved. And I know there's some baseball tryouts starting up for my youngest guy coming up. But, you know, overall, it's been real difficult. I think when it comes to sports like the National Hockey League and the Winnipeg Jets in our market, in our province, in our region, that's why it's important for the Jets to be playing. I just think that there's a distraction there. There's some escapism. There's an opportunity to plan your day and look forward to something because the schedule has been so compressed, Hustler, that you're going every second day. So there's not a lot of time in between games. So there's a lot of sort of, I think, eyes on the television or or ears on the radio in tune with what's going on with the hockey team. And as such, people are certainly opinionated on what's going on and what they should do at the deadline and things. It's been great. I mean, I can't uh, complain. I mean, I've been working and it's been a nice transition from one place to the other. And it's great to continue in the same capacity uh, seven years. No doubt about it. Before we get to the hockey team, uh, what about the gig? Um, I mean, you've been in this business for a long time. I can't imagine you ever imagining being in a situation like you're in right now. I mean, how challenging has it been when, uh, you know, you're calling these games often from, uh, from a screen? Well, the good thing is that I'll take you to the home games first, that we're in the building. So we're actually seeing calling the games as we have before and we have done traditionally before the difference is, and this is where, and I sent out a tweet halfway through this that I said that we are halfway through the season. I really miss the fans. And I truly meant that I miss the, the lead up to the, when the doors open and there's that, that sort of crescendo of the ambiance that gets kind of spiked as people start to enter the building and you can feel the atmosphere start to rise there isn't any of that and there's no anticipation for puck drop. Right. And the players have been, I mean, they've handled this with a plum and, and been so professional in going out and really contesting these games with no fans there, but it's gotta be difficult as well. So the pregame is where I really, you really miss it. That's the start point. And then after that, it's after a goal at home. I mean, sure, the horn goes off, but there's no sustained cheering, right? There's no raucousness in the building, and you really miss that. And I've always loved when the goal goes in and all the people behind the one net 
jump, right? You know, you, it just kind of, it's like a domino effect. And so we are missing that. And, and I can't wait for the people to get back in the building. And, you know, it's funny because I talked to Gary Lawless just yesterday, as a matter of fact, and I think Vegas is allowed proportionately for whatever their building holds somewhere around 33 or 3,500 people in their building. So I asked him if that made any difference. He said, no, because it's still not full right? It's, it's not the same atmosphere that you're used to in that building or the same atmosphere with 15,000 plus in downtown Winnipeg at Bell MTS place. So the fans are definitely missed. That's just not a bunch of lip service. It's uh, it's the truth. Uh, while it's nice to get into the building and do the games and, and see the entire sight lines that you're dealing with, um, that has been the one sort of void that I don't think anything can replace synthetic noise or what have you. Um, than than just having the people in the building on the road it's been a little bit more challenging for sure i mean you're dealing with trying to call the game off a television monitor and so you are at the mercy of of the camera guy from wherever you are and you're also dealing with sometimes some audio issues that don't work very well in your favor like the crowd mics or the the ice effects mics but overall i mean I've heard from people if they didn't know that you weren't there, they wouldn't know. So you just, you call the game and you try to deliver it in a, in a professional manner and package. And hopefully by this time next year, um, I'm doing this show from some hotel room in maybe Florida or wherever. And we're talking about how we managed to get through all of this in uh, what no, is I, very, very well said. And just dating back to what you were saying about the challenges, you know, from a family perspective with kids, I can tell you, you know, from a, obviously a bit of a different situation. But um, the one thing that I'm getting from people with us every day, whether it's in the YouTube chat, people hitting us up on social media when we're talking about these things is – just what a, what a necessary and important escape it has been for people around here to be able to look forward to these games, to watch them, to talk about them. Because to be honest, Paul, everything else sucks <laughs> outside yeah. of you know what's going on. You can't do anything. Yeah. And even worse in some of these other provinces around us, and I think there's sort of some sense of maybe impending doom that will be going in that direction as well. So um, certainly are appreciative of the fact that the games are on and I think it has been a been a big, big part of helping people get through these months. And uh, and I'll tell you what, the hockey team's certainly done their part. Um, you know, I know there was lots of questions about the team and the way that they were built coming into the season. Um, you knew you had the goaltender. You knew you had some elite front-end talent. Um, but despite sometimes it not always looking pretty, um, the results speak for themselves right now. And there is a real legitimate sense of excitement about what this team might be able to accomplish once we get to the end of these 56. Yeah, they've done a real good job of acknowledging that the playoffs are the goal, but not really talking about trying to finish first or second or home ice advantage or anything of that nature. I think at this point, though, with 16 to go, Huss, and the majority of those at home, nine of the 16 at home, that you probably are within your own room or within your own little circle within the team starting to think about, okay, this would be great if we finished, if we didn't finish first, this would be great if we finished above Edmonton so that we could have that seventh and deciding game in our building if it came down to that. It would be great to finish first, and then you might get Montreal in the first round. 
but careful as Paul Maurice has said about determining which team you want to play because they could sneak up on you and you could be very disappointed in the first round. So they'll just kind of casually go through this from the standpoint that whatever happens happens and wherever they finish this, then they'll be prepared to take on that opponent. But I think this is where I think the sprint starts now from the standpoint that you start to jockey for those positions one through four now with uh, 16 games remaining. From that standpoint, I think that the Winnipeg Jets are in real good stead here in making the playoffs and making some noise. They've beaten Edmonton, they've beaten Toronto, they've beaten Montreal. It's going to be, I think, interesting from the standpoint that you do have a lot of games remaining against Edmonton and Toronto in the schedule. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a psychological advantage if you can win the majority of those going into whoever your opponent is in the postseason. Mm -hmm. But I think right now you're just looking to refine your game. As Paul mentioned to us yesterday, he said, it's not about jockeying for position. It's about making sure that we're doing the little things, right. We're making sure that our details are right to ensure that we're playing the best hockey we can play and the crescendo is happening as we get into May at the end of the regular season and then into the first round of the playoffs. So I think the Jets have done a very good job of that. I think they've improved defensively. Maybe some of the numbers don't add up that way, but overall I think that what they're giving up is less. They certainly acknowledge the fact that they were giving up way too many slot shot chances to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've they've certainly clamped down on that and eliminated a lot of those. So that's why those couple of games against Toronto become so interesting, or at least the last one on this road trip becomes so interesting to see if, in fact, uh, the proof is in the pudding on what they've been working on. But the biggest surprise for me of the whole hockey team is Logan Stanley Huss, <laughs> and it has to be. I mean, this guy's come in, and he might never come out. You know, it's just one of those players and just one of those scenarios this year, and I think it's been great because it was 2016 that, the old saying against him was he's two years away from being two years away. Well, the time is not. Well, and, and, and it's arrived. funny. And I, I could talk about Stanley all afternoon. I mean, it was about three weeks ago. I guess Bolio got injured and he played. And Stanley finally got back into the lineup. Uh, I think it was a Saturday game and against the Leafs. And we came on the air and I said, Listen, this is no shot at Nate Beaulieu, but he's getting Wally pipped. Uh, when he comes back, like Stanley, we've just seen, he's going to play a little bit more. You can see his confidence growing, and I don't think Paul Maurice is going to want to take him out of the lineup. By the next week, it had advanced to, there's no way this guy's being exposed in the expansion draft. I mean, he is a keeper going forward. And I got to tell you, it has been so much fun to see him grow because as you mentioned, you know, the two years away from being two years away was an actual cloak quote said to me on the draft floor from Mark Hillier, the guy that just drafted him. He said, this is not Patrick Liney. He's going to go to junior for two years. And then he's going to probably play in the American Hockey League for two years. And at that point, when he grows into his body, gets more comfortable, then we'll see what he is. And, you know, I think it was a, very unfair by a lot of people to write him off as a bust before he even played a single game. And we're seeing what that plant and what that patience has done for Logan Stanley, the work that he's done, uh, and how it's paying off right now. And I, there's no doubt that it's the most pleasant surprise. And it's funny, Paul, as we talk about, you know, the Jets obviously looking to maybe bolster that blue line and add somebody at the deadline. The biggest, the most difficult question I have when talking with friends is, okay, David Savard, whoever comes in, who's going out? Because, I mean, that's a very tough decision to make right now. And uh, there's a lot of people that will say Logan Stanley should not be the first guy to get out of the lineup. Yeah, I don't think he would be. I mean... 
the game changes, whether you like it or not, as you get into the last 16, maybe the last 10, the last five. And then again, it changes again when you get into the postseason, especially if you get into a long sort of snippy type of series, right? And you need some of that size. You need some of that sandpaper and that nastiness. And Logan Stanley does provide that, but he does some other things so well. I mean, he skates very well. I really like the ability to get his shot through at the point and holding the line. He certainly, I think, is hard to contest in front of the net and below the goal line in front of his own goal and around his net because of his physical stature. And then, of course, he has a little bit of that mean streak in him. We saw that with Corey Perry yesterday. <laughs> you know, he grabbed Corey Perry. And not mean enough to, really not like mean 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 enough to a lot of Jets fans. I mean, we were joking earlier. We had that picture. I mean, the fear of God in that weasel Perry. And um, there's a lot of people that would have been more than happy, even with the two-goal lead, to maybe take a couple extra penalties and just take care of it then and there. Corey Perry should be thanking his lucky stars. His face has no, was not rearranged by a 6-7 monster last night. Yeah, here's the picture last night. You Remus is showing it on the screen. That's that's the fear of God in a, in a grown man. <laughs> here's what's funny is Paul Maurice was asked about that today in media availability, and and he just chalked it up to it being inexperienced on Stanley's part for kind of what to do. It was instinct, but didn't really know exactly what to do because there was almost an inference there that you should have just grabbed him and just started throwing haymakers, you know? <laughs> but but from that standpoint, Logan Stanley gives you so much. He doesn't have to fight because he's had that one fight now and he did very well. And now that's sort of in the toolbox and, and people know about it, the size of him, the puck moving ability, the skating. I don't know who comes out. If you acquire a player like David Savard or Brandon Montour or Josh Manson, you know, some right shot D's that are available out there and some names that are being bandied about on trade bait lists. But I know it's not Logan Stanley. And then who comes out? I'm not quite sure. That would be a real big decision for Paul Maurice and the coaching staff. But I think the Winnipeg Jets are, like I said, in a real good spot here to to make some noise in this division. And this will be a challenging division. There's no question about it. You're probably going to play one of those three teams, as I mentioned, in Montreal, Toronto, or Edmonton. And if you get by that team, whoever it is, then whoever's coming out of that other division to fight for the final of the Scotia North is going to be equally difficult. So there's two rounds of playoffs that I think that the Winnipeg Jets will be, I think, set up for nicely but that tough test for that other team or other teams as well. You know what? Just speaking about the division, Paul, the, the thing that I, I still can't wrap my head around this, and I'm actually going to be on with the guys in Calgary on Sportsnet for three hours this afternoon doing a show, and we've been talking a lot about the Flames there. Like, the fact that we still have 16-odd games or whatever and the playoffs are set, it's over, to me is the, is the most stunning part of this entire division because of how close we saw many of these teams are and, the, the bottoming out of the Flames after hiring Daryl Sutter was something I didn't see coming. And the fact that we don't have any real suspense as to who these four t- playoff teams, to me, um, is, is stunning. The suspense will come on who finishes where, right? Or whom finishes ahead of whom. But you're right, there's a problem in Calgary, and they tried to address it with Jacob Markstrom in goal and Christopher Tanev on the blue line, and they threw some money at it. It looked like it was going to be a good fix. But I wonder if there's maybe a little bit more of a a core player problem there. You know, they just don't seem to to have that fight, I guess, internally in, in 
challenging games and and playing the right way. I mean, Sean Monahan in the games that he's played against the Winnipeg Jets has looked well invisible. I mean, he hasn't looked like anything other than you don't really see him or notice him on the ice. I think Matthew Kachuk can be a much better player than he is, but he sometimes I think centers in on trying to run around and and be something that you know we expected from other guys ten years ago in the National Hockey League. Um, and I mean, Milan Lucic is getting a little bit older, so is Mark Giordano, and uh, there's some I guess prospects there that just haven't turned out or or come as quickly as they would have liked. You know, they they ran T.J. Brody out of town and. I think he's landed in a pretty good spot in Toronto playing a regular shift. So that's a big hole to fill as well. And Christopher Tanev has had some injury issues and maybe Jacob Markstrom hasn't been as good as they expected. So yeah, there will be maybe a a remaking of the Calgary Flames. And I don't know. I mean, it won't be Daryl Sutter because he's got a multi-year contract. So you maybe look above him and wonder if there's going to be some changes administratively on the hockey operations side to try to get that thing turned around because I think overall they've got a a pretty good nucleus. But as I mentioned, there might be something that's just not right with that core of that hockey team right now. And they'll have to do a a complete diagnosis. And and I mean, I really thought that that would be the case when Sutter came in, you know, he kind of figured things out over the course of this last half of the season and then make some probably significant moves to that core what no one expected was for the bottom to fall out of them so fast before the actual trade deadline. And that's why I think Treliving is a very interesting guy going into Monday as to the fact that they are sellers. I mean, there's no there's no um, way you can look at their standings, their spot in the division, and think there's a chance that they make it. And has this sped up the process? And might a guy like a Monaghan or Goudreau that potentially would have been an off-season move potentially come up um, on Monday? So it will certainly be interesting to see. As far as the Winnipeg Jets go on the deadline, Paul, we've spent a lot of time talking about some blue liners that might be available. I mean... Um, put your GM hat on for a minute. I mean, is there a player out there that kind of stands above the others that might be a perfect fit for the Winnipeg Jets in your mind? Well, I think that David Savard would certainly tick a lot of boxes, Hus, from the standpoint yeah. that, you know, you've got a guy that's a veteran in the league that is very stable, um, is good friends with Pierre-Luc Dubois, from what I understand, also plays the right side is big, is physical, and moves the puck. And, you know, I always think back, and and maybe some people can't um, correlate with this, but I'll try. And in, I believe it was 92-93, I was covering the Swift Current Broncos, who went all the way to the Memorial Cup, okay, in Sault Ste. Marie. And I got to go, and it was probably one of the five highlights, five highlights, excuse me, of my entire career hockey, baseball, and everything else included. But there was a player by the name of Dean McCammon that was playing in Prince Albert. And Dean kind of was a 19-year-old. He wasn't going to be back the following year as a 20-year-old. So there was sort of right across the Western Hockey League this this sweepstakes that was going to go on for Dean McCammon. And I remember the Swift Current Broncos acquired Dean, and it was basically mentioned that it wasn't that they needed to have Dean McCammon as much to fill a hole as they did. didn't want anybody else to have him. So they grabbed him and tribute uh, to the Broncos and their trade was by the name of Darren Perkins. And he was a defenseman. 
and Darren Perkins. And by the way, Shane Knighty was involved in that deal. So uh, that can localize the story here as well, because Shane was a young 16 year old. Yeah. With the swift current Broncos that was traded in that package back up to Prince Albert. And then he ended up finishing his career or the most of it with the PA Raiders and had a real good run before he turned pro with Ottawa. But Darren Perkins came along with Dean McCammon, and he ended up being the biggest upgrade to what nobody thought that the Swift Current Broncos needed that year. And that was a guy on the blue line that stayed at home, moved the puck with a great first pass, physically was large, and also was tough. And I don't think that you can have too many of those guys, that being my point, on your back end when you get into the postseason. As long as the guy can play and David Savard has proved himself to be able to play, then you can go out, I think, stretch your neck out a little bit, relinquish yourself and divest yourself of an asset or two to acquire that player. And then if it is a guy like David Savard and he's on an expiring contract and you get close or you win it or whatever – maybe there's a chance that he resigns here because of those relationships that he already has in the room because of the winning environment that's been created here. And Winnipeg becomes that place that people aren't scurrying away from that in fact is a destination for some UFA or expiring contract players. And thereby your franchise gets a little bit stronger with attracting players here or better players here. Here's the big question. Has Yarmo blocked Chevy's number? Will he actually even pick up the phone, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think he should because I think there's some pieces there when you're looking at, we were talking about the Calgary Flames on doing a diagnostic at the end of the year and then possibly maybe revamping or retooling or reloading. It might be okay to start with a couple of prospects if you can pry them out of Winnipeg and in uh, the exchange or in consummating the deal for David Savard. So, no, he shouldn't block the number. (laughs) He should take the call. When he sees Chevy's number come up, he should pick up as well. That's another interesting point. I mean, you know, yeah, Patrick Laine's not had a very good run there. And I just kind of wonder about the center that's not there to help Patrick Laine get the puck. And then the other part of that is, little. (laughs) I just don't know if (laughs) – yeah, I just don't know if John Tortorella is the fit there anymore that they need in Columbus. But that's their problem, and we'll watch to see how they try to find solutions to it. But, yeah, I would think that Yarmo Kekalainen would be receiving the calls from, from um, Kevin uh, Shovel. Paul Edmonds, play-by-play voice of the Jets on 680 CJOB, joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Paulie, you know, we've spent, logically, we are talking mostly about the blue line, but for the first time in a while, the Jets have a significant injury up front. It is the captain, Blake Wheeler, who has been the Iron Man of this franchise for 10 years. Um, do you think that changes Shevoldayoff's thoughts going in? I mean, I really thought they were about as set as any team, 1-12, to 12, even with a couple extras at forward in the league. Um, but, you know, knowing the attrition that it takes to play two months in the playoffs, we focus a lot on the blue line, but might there be reinforcements, uh, you know, even a depth player up front that would come in a deal on Monday? Yeah, that would be the, the only thing I would see that would be anything to do with the forward core would be a depth piece. And it would have to be a veteran guy that's on an expiring contract that's probably in around that, you know, minimum, kind of like a Trevor Lewis or a or a Nate Thompson type deal. But I honestly don't believe that there would be a focal point at all for the Jets to go out and acquire 
another forward. I think that at some point you've got to believe that Blake Wheeler is going to be okay to return. The other point is that you do already have some playoff miles on Jansen Harkins, who replaced him last night in the lineup because Jansen was so good in the qualifying series last August against Calgary, right? So from that standpoint, you don't have to train anybody new. I think Christian Veselainen proved this year at the start that he was getting better as uh, an NHL prospect. So he's on the depth chart. And then you have some guys certainly down on the farm as well. And, Maybe it might not be a bad idea if Cole Perfetti got into the lineup at some point and started over at the wing on the fourth line or or whatever. These are just all scenarios that I'm throwing out at you. So to answer your question succinctly, I don't believe unless it was a depth piece, you could get that player on the cheap on an expiring deal that you're looking to add anybody up front. I think that if you're looking for one area to position yourself to get better in terms of strength, it might be on the blue line. That's where the Jets need help. That's where I think they would be concentrating, and that's where they would probably push their assets that they're going to part with, including draft picks and some later ones at that, to that sort of area of focus, not anything else. Paulie, this has been so much fun having you on the program. Um, I know – what a professional you are and how much work you do that goes into it. I know how strange of a year that this has been. And there's been a lot of weird things that have happened uh, even in the past couple months, uh, <laughs> work-related as well. But I got to tell you, um, it is always fun to catch up with you. People in the chat, we're getting tons of props for you, the job you do. Uh, and um, uh, it was just great to catch up. And hopefully we can do this again soon and uh, keep on uh, listening to you and Jamie do your thing on OB and uh, hopefully have many more than just the 56 regular season games once we get to the postseason. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for inviting me, Huss. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can get up to Aikens and uh, wet a line for a couple, three days at some point this summer after maybe a championship. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. Thanks so much, Paul. Uh, of course, okay, he brother. Uh, Aikens Lake. Paul and I have thanks. done Aikens together a couple of times. You go. Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, um, you know, he just, uh, we've had such a great time. Paul is like a hardcore fisherman. I am a uh, rookie angler, but you know, we uh, took such incredible care of us, world class fishing, and uh, great staff. So if you're thinking about a staycation, if you will, or doing something here in the province this season, Definitely uh, check them out. Go online at AkinsLake.com or hit them up on Twitter at AkinsLake. All right, a couple minutes. We're going to check in with our friends in St. Adolph because Craft Hockeyville voting opens today, and uh, we're hoping that Manitoba will get behind them and uh, see what we can do to try to uh, get 250k for an arena reno. Uh, but what we do at Fort Breezy Bend our golf sponsor here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, check them out online at breezybend.ca. Waiting list for 2021 memberships is open right now. And we take a look at the Masters. And um, Justin Rose has had quite a day. Rosie started off at seven under par, bogeyed the first hole, got it back, and then had three more bogeys on the front nine. Uh, but then he got him back on the back nine and, uh, you know, went back to seven under. He finishes even for the day. And he's got a two-shot lead over Mark Leishman, who had a heck of a day. He is at five under. And, oh, the mullet, Cam Smith, started off two over par. He is sizzling right now. He has one, two, three, four. He's seven under par for the day. He's at five under as well. He's playing 14 right now. Uh, And then a group at four under includes Bernd Wiesberger, 
Tony Finau, my guy Tony, and my pick, Justin Thomas, who was started off at one over par. He's five under for the day as well. So uh, a bit of an easier day on the golf course today after those guys just got murdered yesterday by those uh, by the um, the greens, about as fast as I've ever seen. Um, Siwoo Kim, Ryan Palmer, Jordan Spieth in there at three under par, Cameron Champ, Patrick Reed as well. As far as the Canadians go, Mac Hughes had a heck of a round, came back after getting up to three over par with three birdies on the back nine. He is in at even. And going down, looking for the other Canadian, Corey Connors. We'll see where Connors is at. It does not look... Well, maybe, hopefully he's up because I was just going down and he's, oh yeah, there he is. He's one under par. Nicely done. Two under for the day. So Corey Connors into the red right now uh, coming up uh, at Augusta. And of course, uh, TSN's got the coverage. We'll uh, get back to the Masters leaderboard a little bit later on. Let's get Michael Remus back in here before we uh, check in with the folks at uh, Craft Hockeyville. Remo, what uh, was just so much fun to have Paul on the program. Could have talked to him for a couple hours. And, uh, you know, we focused more on what's happening right now. But um, I'll tell you what, if you ever get the opportunity to sit down for a cold one with Paul, he will. Uh, he has more stories from uh, life on the road as uh, doing play-by-play than uh, just about anyone. Uh, what a heck of a dude. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with Paul. Um, I, I guess it was uh, late 2020 while you were away. And, of course, before that, uh, multiple times throughout the years, he's always got good stories. Very uh, Paul's very professional, always very prepared. Uh, loved working with him, and you could definitely hear it uh, through those every broadcast that he does. So uh, great catch on him, hearing his thoughts on the Jets, and also it was interesting hearing his experience broadcasting a NHL game in an empty arena. Because I don't know after this year if we'll ever see something like this again. But uh, hopefully you know, not. You got to. Yeah, but I mean, it's pretty uh, pretty unique situation that we're living through here uh, as we're managing our way. Yeah, uh, you know what, and 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 the thing with Edmonds is, um, and you know, he and I are similar. I mean, like he has just such had such amazing energy. Um, you know, you listen to Paul call a game, and you know, it's impossible not to feel emotionally invested in it. I mean, his energy is contagious, and. To me, for a home broadcaster, that is exactly what you want to have. And, you know, being able to manufacture that energy without fans or particularly in areas, you know, in times where, you know, there's, you know, you're not even in the building um, is an incredible skill. And I've checked out many of the games that he's been doing with Jamie Thomas. And uh, I, <laughs> I have to tell you, um, it, it, that is not easy. And the guys are doing an incredible job uh, job so far. Um, while we wait to hook up with Lori from uh, St. Adolphe and Craft Hockeyville, just taking a look at some of these uh, <laughs> some of these tweets. Joe from Winnipeg heard us talking about Aikens Lake. He said, I'm too impatient for fishing. I just go to Gimli's Chris Fish and Chips and get the catch of the day or pickerel, LOL. Um, our old pal Sean Asor, for any of you 1290 orphans that remember, Asor is actually in the fishing game. He's got a, a fish processing plant uh, out in the in the Gimli area. So we'll have to get Sean on at some point soon. Jeff Cabillas, uh, they and Paul and Jamie are great. And um, good idea. At least in the closet, you can store them safely on bags. Yes, we've got walk-in closet conversation going on here as well. People talking about the uh, people talking about the. <laughs> um, so, but it does look like we're about to hook up with our friends out in Saint Adolphe because, as we mentioned, Craft Hockeyville voting is open today, and for the first time ever, 
we have a Manitoban finalist representative. And um, let's get right to it. Let's figure out how we can help St. Adolph win this sucker. And we welcome in Lori Stoddy from St. Adolph, part of the organizing committee. Lori, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. You know, first off, congratulations to you and uh, everyone that was involved in sort of starting this initiative. It's very, very exciting. Uh, But for the folks that maybe haven't been out to St. Adolph or didn't know what um, kind of prompted all of this, tell us um, what, um, why you started this to try to get St. Adolph in the mix for the Kraft Hockeyville Grand Prize. We're like any small town arena. We got a huge community of volunteers and we fundraise every year with socials and carnivals and now COVID hit. And then our arena decided to call it kaputs in a lot of different areas. Like our ice plant went down, so we can't make ice. Uh, We found mold in an entire north wall of our arena. And so over the years, we've been maintaining and raising money to take care of the building and add an elevator and accessibility ramps. But this year seemed to be the big one where a lot of things just went down at the same time and it's bigger than we've ever had before. So we felt like this was a good opportunity to win a quarter of a million dollars to help get our arena and our community club just back up and running. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what would winning craft hockeyville mean to the a rink, but also the community of St. Adolph as well as a number of people outside of St. Adolph that when the arena is up and running, probably spend a lot of time on the ice there. Definitely. Like that, not just on the ice, but in the actual building itself. Like it brings people from all over Manitoba onto the ice. Like in town, we have like 170 kids that play hockey there. I play hockey there. I didn't grow up playing hockey. And this community is just so hockey obsessed and they love being together that they encouraged me to come and try it. So there I am at Source for Sports. I'm Pemina, like suiting up. This is a few years ago now. And I play with the other moms and it's, uh, it's super fun. And then a ton of other people come to, uh, have a social there, have a birthday party, have coffee, a lot of youth work there. Like it's a building that we need for hockey and beyond. Well, no doubt. And, you know, as we hopefully get out on the other side of COVID and our communities can come back and get together in these smaller towns. I mean, the rink, that community center is in a lot of ways, the heartbeat of the community. And you you you're stealing my words. When you my word. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, those are facts. I mean, anyone that's been out yeah. to uh, you know these towns know how important this is. And yeah. um, you know, obviously, it's been stressful. I think for people knowing what they have to overcome. Um, how did you guys get to this point? What took to become one of the four finalists? I mean, as I mentioned, the first time we've ever had a Manitoba representative as the finalist for Craft Hockeyville. It's been a, it's been a fun adventure. Like on January first, Craft Hockeyville opened the floodgates for any community to apply and thousands apply. We did nothing for the entire month of January. And it wasn't until February 1st that uh, we started to post videos and stories to say how much we needed a new ice plant and to fix a wall and expand dressing rooms. And the whole town, just we had two weeks, like the rest of the country had a month and a half and we didn't post anything until February 1st. So we had two weeks to make as much noise on the Craft Hockeyville website as we could. And we did. And they chose us to be in the top four. So fill us in now today. And, you know, we knew that this was coming and we've sort of made mention of it. But as of today, the voting is open and uh, everyone is hoping that Manitoba will stand up and get behind St. Adolph. Uh, Fill everyone in on what they can do, how often they can do it and uh, to try to get this done. That's right. Today is the first day of voting. It opened at eight. It closes tomorrow at four o'clock. So if anyone wants to pull an all nighter. You go right ahead. You just get that Homer Simpson bird to click your yes <laughs> over and over again. Um, no, I, I 
actually I've been voting since eight o'clock this morning and I was just worried about this interview thinking I'm just going to be a silent, like radio silence as I'm, I'm sorry, Andrew, I have to vote. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Interview. Um, and I, a lot of my friends took the day off actually to vote. Um, I had to apply for a day off today <laughs> so that I could vote. Um, it's unlimited votes. And I think the way it works is you can vote 15 times and then that whole recapture thing happens. And so we're just kind of clicking the audio recapture and figuring out the one word you need to bypass that. It's all legitimate. And then we just continue voting. I think I've probably voted thousands of times already today. Well, listen, I, I know. And, and it's been amazing. I mean, you guys have had a lot of support from people in the community. I saw the Jets make a tweet out today. That's yeah. certainly will go far today. I mean, tell us a little bit oh. about the people that have uh, sort of got behind St. Adolph and uh, what's going on starting today with the voting. Well, I was just saying to some friends and people in town, like, we're the perfect size community to be picked for this. I mean, we're the smallest community in the entire competition, but um, the size that we are, like, word spreads like wildfire and people want to, you know, grab onto community building events like this. It's just brought our community so close together. And then we've got lots of arms extended into Winnipeg and surrounding small towns. We've felt the love. We've had pictures rolling in of like schools doing voting parties and signs being set up on the way into small towns. And Winnipeg has been behind us. And I just feel you just feel the whole the love of this whole experience. And it's been uh, it's been really great. Well, we've seen this sort of thing happen before. Manitoba and Manitobans are known for their generosity, getting yes. behind a movement and something that's so important. And uh, we certainly, certainly hope that this can happen. And everyone that's with us today in the chat or listening later on in the podcast, get out there, craft Hockeyville, and start voting. How long does it go? At what point does it finish? When do we know if you guys were successful? Uh, what's the plan uh, other than just putting in a lot of votes today? Well, I know our entire town will be watching the Montreal and Jets game tomorrow night. It's at six, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's on Sportsnet West, and they actually will announce it just after the first period. So first intermission, they choose the winner. Not they, sorry, the votes decide the winner. And so that's why we're asking all of Manitobans and all of Canada, really, just to vote like crazy for St. Adolf. Um, so we have till tomorrow to vote. So I will probably be up very late tonight. <laughs> and uh, it's a marathon, guys. Like, get on board here. It's a marathon. Yeah, but it is kind of a sprint. I mean, it's just a one-day thing. Like, I, I, I'll be honest, I, that was the one thing I'm glad I asked because I was sort of thought that it would be like a week-long thing and be going on. But, I mean, it really sort of is a race. And, uh, you know, as, as yeah. many votes as fast as we can get them in will make all the difference for St. Adolph. I know. We've been we've been doing the, the race part for two weeks now, just telling everybody about it as best we can, right? Social media, decorating our lawns, telling everyone at work, sending emails to family and friends and text messages. And now it comes down to this 36 hour window and hopefully on hockey night in Canada tomorrow night, they announced St. Adolph as the winner would be amazing because no Manitoba town has ever won craft. Hockey. Oh, wow. It's been 15 years. Yeah, it, it has been. I never even got to got to this point. Never mind mm. winning the whole thing. So, um, listen. First off, congratulations to you, volunteers, and people in the communities like you um, yes. are are absolutely integral. I know you've got a number of people that are with you behind you that are doing it, and I hope that everyone listening right now will obviously fire out a bunch of things on social media. Get out there if you're in the chat right now. Uh, Remus, the CTO, has put the link right in there. So literally, I just did it myself. It takes you right to Craft Hockeyville. You know where to vote. And uh, Lori, fingers crossed, maybe we'll be talking next week about uh, 250K going to fix that rink of yours. That would be amazing. So good. Well, thanks for joining us and good luck with everything. Thanks for having me, Huss. Uh, our pleasure. That was great. There's Lori Stoddy, crafthockeyville.com. Let's go, folks. We want to get St. Adolph to be the first Manitoban winner ever. Um, and, 
you know what listen i mean everyone you know whether you're in the city whether you're in rural areas you know how important these rinks are and you also know the financial stress that so many are under right now due to the covid the economy all of that so uh, man, if they were able to pull this off with all of our help, it certainly would be amazing for our uh, for our uh, our province. It's crafthockeyville.ca, by the way, not .com. Crafthockeyville.ca. Link is in the chat. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast later on, go to Winnipeg Sports Talk Twitter. We'll have links for you there as well. And uh, let's uh, see if we can make this happen and uh, get a quarter mil to uh, fix that rink out in St. Adolph. Thanks again to Lori for all her work and joining us today on WST. All right, quick look at the Masters leaderboard again for Breezy Bend. We've got uh, Tony Finau. Team Tony is on fire, seven under par today. He's two shots back right now, along with Mark Leishman, two back of the leader, Justin Rose. Um, of course, the weekend's here. Perfect time to maybe grab some ice cream or a flamethrower burger. Nick and Nikki DQs, great sponsors of ours. DQ in Niverville, Polo Park, Northgate, and St. Anne's. Pop in there. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. We would really appreciate it. And Royal Sports, I mentioned yesterday, right at the end of the program, I got a text from the, the Hasbeaks. Um, you know I'm a huge NFL fan. Many of you are as well. Uh, just awesome brand new draft caps are in. They've got all the teams there. So if you uh, want to be ready for the draft or a new look for your favorite team, they're all there. And uh, the, the flip-flop slides, some of the coolest footwear you've ever seen is all there, not to mention bike, soccer, baseball. Uh, spring is here, although we might have a little snow earlier this early next week. That being said, um, you want to get ready for spring and summer and get outside, do it over with our friends at Royal Sports. All right, really looking forward to this next segment. Um, a very, very good friend of mine is about to join us, and uh, he is not only a pal and a buddy, but one of the uh, brains behind the Jets Legend Series and all the fun things that happen at the game when we're actually allowed to go as fans to Bell MTS Place. So without further ado, the Director of Game Production for True North Sports and Entertainment, and uh, my longtime pal Kyle Ballharry joins us now. Balls, how are you? I don't even know what year it was. What, 2001, 2002, when we were making those Manitoba Moose hockey cards? <laughs> the Doing the sports talk in, uh, on Academy that, that we would be here 20 years later. So it's it's awesome to be here. And hey, hey how about St. Adolph? I, they got a good chance here. I think we can pull together and make this happen for them. Well, you know, I, I do too. I mean, I really do think that there are so many folks um, – yeah, we've just seen it over and over again, whether it's in ad- adverse times, like everyone's stepping up to do sandbagging for a flood, whether it's to come by people that are, you know, in need, or, I mean, this is a great opportunity. I mean, all you really have to do is spend a little time on your computer doing a few clicks and you can really make a difference. And, um, you know, in balls, I mean, we're both from the city, uh, but certainly working in hockey, you know, with what you're doing, my background, I mean, we've been all around this province connecting with minor hockey and minor sports communities. And, I mean, those those spots are the, I mean, it's not overstating it to say these communities are centered around their hockey rinks. And, you know, for some, for a growing, you know, place like St. Adolph, um, to have their rink and their ice plant down um, really, really impacts everyone there. And uh, it would just be amazing if we could step up and get this thing done for them. It's the heartbeat of the community and it's the heartbeat of, of Canada, quite frankly. I mean, that's that's what makes us all Canadians. And for a place like St. Adolph to have an ice plant go and 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 the, the heart of that community be be stagnant, um, it's a killer. So let's let's work hard and let's see what we can do for them. 
You got it. CraftHockeyville.ca. Let's get those votes in for St. Adolph. All right, dude. Now, I want to talk to you about the Jets Legends series, but I think it will be interesting, interesting for people um, that maybe aren't familiar with you or what you do to talk about your normal job and then just how bizarre and strange and weird everything that you've been doing as a guy that literally job is to get things going with fans, 15,000 of them in empty buildings this year in this unprecedented year. How's it been going? It's been going. um, I mean, I guess as good as you can expect with no fans, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, you see it on TV and it's not the same, but I mean, you, you, you're at the arena and there's nobody there and there's, you know, there's 50 people in the building. You got some media, you got some scouts, you got doctors, and you of course have the players, right? So it's unlike anything that we've ever done. Um, but with saying that, let me say this to you: it's uh, it's extremely unfortunate that the fans aren't there, and that's that's the worst part of all here by far for the fans, for us, for for the players, for everybody. Um, but this has been kind of just the wheels keep on turning in a 20 year career, hustler. You were there. You every year things are different. Every year things change and. Um, there's something new that happens, whether it be a promotion or you're honoring someone or a thousandth game or a hall of fame ceremony or a tragic event or something that happens. Right. So in a bit, in a way we've, we've got such an experienced team down there, you know, with Steve Godkin and and our whole AV crew and all of our promotional and, and, and people that, that put on games as far as what happens on the scoreboard and what happens with TV timeouts and running videos and running replays and all those wonderful things that happen at a hockey game. We're just elevating that as far as putting on hockey. The players are watching, the coaches are watching, the general managers are watching, the media are watching. We're trying to have some fun, but mostly we're trying to just highlight an NHL hockey game. So to answer your question, um, it's going well because we are privileged to watch NHL hockey live once again. And um, for my 20th season, I get to sit you know, um, in that press box and, and get to see incredible athletes play the game. And, and, it, and it's always amazing when you have a chance to potentially have a team that competes for the Stanley Cup and, and we do again. So it's, it's always exciting. Now, um, you know, of course, not being in the buildings, we don't see what's happening during these TV timeouts. I mean, are, are you doing fan versus fan and just putting on <laughs> empty seats right now? Or uh, is it just basically dialed all that stuff back that is yeah. essentially geared towards the fans? <laughs> We've tried to have a little fun, but, but, you know, you can only be cheeky so far with the, with the players in the building. And I mean, ultimately we started watching and, and they're watching the scoreboard maybe than ever before. They're not distracted by just the atmosphere and everything happening all around too. Like they're actually watching the scoreboard during a TV time, because what we're doing is we're giving them some stats. We're giving them more stats at the games. Normally we're doing fan versus fan or we're doing fan cam or, or we're, you know, providing, providing a, a sponsor, some highlights and, um, now we're basically playing to the players. So they, they like highlights. They like replays. Um, they like out of town scores. They like seeing the stats from around the league. And, um, we're just trying to make it a, a full encompassing hockey experience. So lots of people are watching hockey at home. Of course, most people, it's kind of a giant TV in the bowl with a whole bunch more stats and a whole bunch of like second screens for people to look at while, while the players and media and everyone are there. Kyle Ball here is with us from the Winnipeg Jets. He's the director of game production down at the rink for True North Sports and Entertainment. Um, so, Balls, last night um, at the intermission, we saw the ne- the latest installment of Jets Legends, and it was the piece on Croppy. This is the third of it. Um, first of all, I just have to congratulate you. These pieces have been so good. And that one last night, 
Um, you know, for any Jets fan that has been following the team and attending games over the course of the last 10 years, I mean, that was a heavy one. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I was grabbing for the Kleenex uh, when watching some of those and people talking about crappie and bringing back to, um, and it was even harder actually to watch those moments, I think right now, knowing what we as hockey fans and as a community are missing by coming together, gathering at that rink and getting behind our team. Um, but you know, for for people that maybe haven't haven't seen the series so far, tell us about the Jets Legend series. Um, who's involved in it, and how much work has gone into get these ready, uh, celebrating the ten year anniversary of the return of the Jets. Of course, without anybody in the building. Yeah, thanks, Andrew, and and, and obviously thanks for the the kind words about the series so far. I mean, it's uh, it's a bit of a labor of love, right? I mean, one of the greatest strengths of our organization is that we've had people working there a long time and and everybody loves the game and 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 what has happened has meant so much to so many people and you know it was important to us when we're talking about celebrating the 10th season we're like oh man there's no fans we can't have a ceremony we can't do a banner ceremony for a couple of legends we can't welcome some alumni back we can't do promos we can't have a bobblehead night like what are we going to do here um you know there's a lot of smart people at true north and happy to engage with my team our team um you know, all the teams on how we could engage. So you're seeing a lot of second screen stuff. You're seeing uh, extra content uh, all over our website and, and uh, social media, which has been absolutely fantastic. And then we wanted, to, we wanted to do something extra special for the 10th anniversary that probably could only be done in this time. And that's actually have time to interview people that lived the return of the Jets. Um, and that's not just players and that's not just the, the people in the dressing room, but that's, you know, David Thompson, that's... Uh, um, some of the military that's uh you know just people uh, staff that lived it all and you know i think i think when thinking about what to do with this it was important that we made something timeless something that was classy and something that if someone wanted to watch it tomorrow or they wanted to watch it in 5 10 20 years from now it's still the history of the winnipeg jets and it's and it's told by the people that lived it right so our interview with david thompson was incredible i i, I can't believe that hour we spent having that interview with him and we did it remotely there's been all kinds of challenges of course right so during this whole process during covid we've interviewed 40 people 40 people that were involved with the return and the, the whiteouts and you name it 26 episodes basically we came up with so you know through bell mts we were we were extremely happy to partner with them on this and 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 provide a, a series that uh, is not only going to run 10 times on tsn but we're going to extend the series to 10 more episodes after the season is over as well because there's just that many stories. And I mean, um, the return of Timu Solani is not in the TSN episodes, but it sure is going to be in the next 10. So the great part is we interviewed all kinds of people, Gary Bettman, David Thompson, Mark Chipman, Chevy, uh, so many players. It, it, was, it was incredible listening to the stories and how much, quite frankly, the last 10 years has meant to everybody. And that's, for me, being a, a hockey lover my whole life and growing up in this city and being a Jets fan of 1.0, 2.0 and the Manitoba Moose and everything in between, um, there was so much love there and so much uh, community. And, and the crappie episode was unlike maybe no other because what you saw in that room was a reflection of what happened in all those interviews. Mark Stewart had a hard time because crappie meant so much and he was reflecting on his career and Blake Wheeler was emotional and Paul, Paul Maurice and Chevy and Zinger and Mark and Chevy, uh, Crappie did that to us, right? He just united us and it was, it was something special. And I mean, I, I, I had a chat with the crew um, before it was released saying, I think this one might get 
might get the most uh, emotion out of it out of anyone we do and um happy to say there's been a lot of people texting me saying i i couldn't stop crying so and i gotta give full full dude it was it was heavy yeah no listen the job you guys did and the music in the background just everything the way that it was packaged up i think it was an incredible tribute um to crappie but it was also in a lot of ways I, i found and maybe i took it as a tribute to the Jets fans and the community that, you know, really started the second that that team came back with the game in October against the Montreal Canadiens and and went off from there. And in some ways, those anthems, the True North, all of those things that sort of became synonymous with the Winnipeg Jets ended with Crappie doing the salute. And, um, you know, I just saw a uh, – I'm just going to get this quote here because I want to get it. I think this is our pal, the Earl, uh, the Earl from Eli, Dan Milburn. Last night was awesome. I teared up. Brave men like Crappie is the reason I joined the army. And I know Dan's a you know, proud member of the military. Um, so it was just, it, it was neat, but it really was. the. It's a cliche, but that had all the feels last night and uh, uh, was just very, very well done. I mean, it took me a good 10 minutes to get into the second period. I was so kind of still emotionally wound up from watching uh, from watching the piece on Crappie. What can you tell us about what's to come, Balls? I know you don't want to, you know, share any secrets, but um, do we, uh, is there a schedule that's out? Do we know what the next one is? Uh, what can you tease us for fans to look forward to in future episodes and, and maybe fill people in on where they're going to see it? Because obviously we see some of them on the TSN broadcast in between periods, but I think you just mentioned there's a lot of content there coming out and not all of it will be on tv for sure so we've got 10 episodes confirmed for tsn and the intermissions and you'll see those for the remainder of the season as, as they roll out not every game um it's a pretty aggressive schedule with uh, completing the 10 episodes as you can imagine there's a lot of editing and, and our team was led by steve and um doing the initial edit and, and, and the guys putting all the graphics in and you, and you change so many things and searching for the clips right i think one of the best parts about the whole series is that we've been collecting history all along like Maybe we haven't even used some of this footage, and now we're actually able to use some of the behind-the-scenes footage that we collected way back when, you know what I mean? Some of the crappie footage that you saw. I mean, man, we had an interview with crappie two, two years before he passed, green screen, and we talked to him for an hour, right? And it's, it's so special that we're able to, to, uh, to have the history move forward. So to answer your question, Andrew, I mean, literally, I don't know. I'll let, I'll let everyone dream. I mean, think of the 25 best Jets memories you can think of since the team came back and i i would bet i would bet people will guess 20 of the 25 you know what i mean so i bet uh, i know what the 10th one will be <laughs> <laughs> uh well i mean hey the 10th one is going to be the closest to may 31st standards so uh that could also be a choice hey just one one note on the crappie bit last night because um yeah you know, being at just about every game over the past of the 10 years, so many of them just, you know, merge into to one. You forget what season particular games are, um, yeah. but you remember some of the moments. And I have to say, um, looking back from a fan's perspective, I mean, we can talk about the comeback against Nashville. I mean, actual games, you know, for yeah. the Winnipeg Jets, big wins. But as far as nights to be in the building, um, the night crappie returned. To me, is one of the one of the most memorable games um, that we've ever had at Bell MTS Place, and the irony of it is, is that it was one of the worst hockey games I think that has been played in the ten years. A dull, boring home loss to the Ottawa Senators. However, two things happened that night. Crappie had been away for a long time. 
We had not seen him. And when he came back and you guys put him on for the anthem and then the fan versus fan moment where both both of the contestants were crappie. I'm just getting choked up just talking about it right now. Remembering it was um, was just one of the great moments for what you and your team have done at any point. And then, of course, the other thing that happened in that game was the hardest hit in the history of hockey, where Dustin Bufflin just about ended Mark Stone. Um, but it is funny how, you know, you never know what you're going to get on the ice, but there are moments outside of the game, and that, to me, was maybe the best example of uh, something that was, in a lot of ways, far, far bigger than anything that happens once the puck drops. You know, Hustler, well said, and, and you know that better than anyone. You you grew up at the Winnipeg Arena, and you grew up um, in your young adult years at the Manitoba Moose games, night after night and night. And, and you know, it's hard to – it's hard because I didn't go to a ton of games when I was a kid. I watched all on TV. I became a big Jets fan uh, going to a couple games a year and, and, and only being able to do that. But I was just saying – basically, I'll wrap that up quick – is that, I mean, it's it's – you know, you can watch the games on TV, but – being lucky to be at the arena is something else. And you can, those cultural moments that happen in, in life, quite frankly, to us, I mean, bursting out in tears because of we love crappie and people are literally 15,000 people. I, I, I think 14,998 of them were crying in that oh. moment when, when he was, when he was back. I mean, I, I, I choke up every time you choked up earlier. It's, it's almost hard to explain, right? How do you put that in words? What that really meant to everyone. And, you know, Mark Stewart said something, and it was really cool. And we didn't, we weren't able to fit it into the video, but I remember he said something along the lines of what he meant to the players um, was that they grew up um, in every arena they grew up in, and there was always their parents there, or their grandpa there, or somebody to watch them, someone in their corner, someone was always they could look up to, and maybe they were having a bad game, or maybe they just looked looked for uh, encouragement. Um, none of them had that in Winnipeg. They and if they were there, they were somewhere up in the arena. Um, Croppy was their guy. Croppy was their grandpa. Crappie was their guy. Oh man, that Pretty is incredible. A, <laughs> that's such a such a great story. All right, um, so we'll look forward to it. I, and I mean, this content will be on uh, Jets.com, I imagine, uh, as yes. uh, as things go forward. Absolutely. So sorry, ten episodes on TSN, and then we'll be releasing, and we'll be working with Bell uh, MTS again to release the other ten. Not episodes. familiar with them. And then they will. Um, <laughs> and then they they and then we will post it all on our own website as well. Andrew, yeah, yes. it'll, um, yeah, it'll be posted all on WinnipegJets.com at some point throughout the summer. It'll be great. <laughs> okay, got Valeri with us here on uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Okay, I promised I'd ask this. By the way, the stash is is amazing. Um, the, this is one of the things that you've really worked hard on throughout the uh, throughout <laughs> the pandemic. But I need you. I need you to explain um, how the soul patch came to be. The, the combo of the stash with the soul patch, which actually looks excellent today as well. But it's thanks, a unique Andrew. look. Thank, thanks, bud. Um, <laughs> I really have no words for that, <laughs> except for I'll tell you. My wife is from Switzerland. She is European, and she 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 thinks I look better with a mustache. So, you know, I love my wife and more than happy to uh, continue to have my wife think I look more attractive with a mustache rather than without. Um but the soul patch, Andrew, this is just a natural growth. I'm not, I'm not openly going and having this, but I'm not saying angle it up or do this or that. I mean, this is just EK growth, right? So um, this is Kyle Ballhari from EK. Keeping it real, right as they say. 
<laughs> keeping it real as they say hey ballsy listen um congratulations to you steve your entire team for this jets legend series the fans have absolutely been loving it can't wait to see the next one and uh it's great to have you on with us for the first time we'll have to do this again sometime you're an Thanks absolute you guys. beauty we love you you guys are doing an awesome job keep it up uh can't wait to see you again thanks guys Thank you so much. There he is, Kyle Ball Harry from uh, True North Sports Entertainment, Winnipeg Jets, the director of game production, and uh, one of the people involved with putting together uh, the Jets Legends series. All right, we've got a couple of things to do before we finish the program. We will get to the cool bet lines. Uh, let's get back to a quick little Masters update. And uh, Justin Rose in the clubhouse, seven under par. Mark Leishman's in at five under par. And there's Tony Finau and Justin Thomas also at five under. Um, Cam Smith, unfortunately, just had a double bogey. Oh, geez, he just dropped three hole, three shots in two holes. He's back down to two. Um, and a number of the top players playing this afternoon. So we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, golf reports all for Breezy Bend. Uh, let's bring Michael Remus back in. Um, Remo, lots of fun talking with balls about the uh, about the series. Did you um, did, did did you enjoy enjoy the uh, the bell crack there? <laughs> Yeah, are we talk, calling it the Winnipeg Arena uh, yeah. 2.0 on this yeah. show now? Yes, exactly. Is that what we're calling it? Uh, <laughs> I I was having a good laugh about that. I'm pretty. I was pretty rattled actually to start the show. I had Paul Edmonds uh, muted for his first two answers. Uh, Lori, that wasn't me. That was that was her. She had to select her mic, and then uh, I got. I don't know. I got to get better. Uh, I'm lagging behind. I'm ruining things over here. So not not good. But you're talking about odds. Talking about odds, I'm surprised the odds of the day aren't the odds for WrestleMania because I'm on cool bet right now. You can bet on WrestleMania. Uh, Shane McMahon uh, paying three to one against Braun Strowman uh, I may take Shane McMahon here. You know what? I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tip off a little something from the wide world of wagering coming up on tonight's lock shot, but I do have a three match WrestleMania parlay for you. Uh, <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Braun Strowman, minus 294 versus Shane O'Mac. Bianca Belair, minus 263 over the boss, Sasha Banks. And AJ Styles and Omos, minus 250 over the New Day. It's a plus 159 parlay. I'm in on it. We'll be talking about it on tonight's Lock Shop. Um, as far as the rest of the cool bet lines for today, uh, let's take a look at the National Hockey League. Caps at Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo's been playing well. No longer are we getting 3-1 to one on Buffalo at home. Plus 220 tonight against the Caps. Caps minus 170. Uh, Rangers, Islanders. Islanders minus 147 favorites at home. Very interesting game. Minnesota against St. Louis. We know how bad St. Louis had been lately. They got embarrassed earlier this week by the Vegas Golden Knights at home. But they came back. They beat Vegas in their last matchup. And Jordan Binnington afterwards was asked about what... Now, how big of a, a game this was for them to finally get back in the win column, and he just says, we're coming. So maybe some bold bravado from uh, Jordan Binnington, but I might lean to the Blues in the dog pound tonight. Um, hard to believe St. Louis right now on the wrong side of the playoff line. They've been really inconsistent. They haven't been very good. So, you know, I've watched a couple Blues games. Uh, I think they got off to a hot start. I remember Jordan Cairo was uh, on fire, but I guess they've cooled down. And I think goaltending has been a question mark. Didn't stop them from giving Bennington that extension. But, uh, I mean, we'll wait and see. I think Minnesota, they're a team to watch out for, and especially this year and in the future. They've got a lot of young players. Uh, Kaprizov going for the Calder. Uh, Erickson X making an impact. Kevin Fiala as well. And I think they have got a solid group of defensemen. Goaltending has been solid. So I really do like uh, Minnesota. 
you know, it, it, it's really interesting. When you look at the NHL standings right now, the North is set. I mean, the order isn't set, but we know the four teams that are going to be in. And I would argue that the East is set as well. Islanders are in, the Caps are in, Pittsburgh is in, and Boston is going to be in. And Philly, the Rangers, the Devils, and the Sabres are pretty much done. So you have to look. I mean, there's essentially two playoff races right now. Carolina, Tampa, Florida, they're all going to be in in the Central. So you've got Nashville, who's got a four-point lead over Chicago. Dallas is seven back, but is three games in hand. Essentially, those teams are going to be battling for that one spot. And then in the West, Colorado's in, Vegas is in, Minnesota's in. And we're really talking about the race for that fourth spot. Arizona's got three points on St. Louis. Blues have one game in hand. And the Sharks sort of trucking along. They're 500 right now. But again, the team that's in the playoff spot in that there is only three games above 500. So that by record will probably be the weakest team to make the playoff. But it is somewhat wide open. But it is pretty wild, man. We've got three or four weeks of the season left. And we pretty much know, without a doubt, 14 of the 16 playoff teams right now in the NHL. Yeah, that's really weird. I'm not I'm not really sure what to make of that. I know we harp on uh, the point system as well that you can't, you know, make up ground. I wonder if that's part of it, Huss. But you think they would be more closer together then if you're having all these games where no one is really gaining points. So maybe it's just some teams are really good, some teams aren't and it's just simple as that. And I think I think there are some, you know, teams that are cr- clearly rebuilding. I mean, you can see that in the in the central, Ottawa was definitely everyone had them in for last. Calgary didn't really see coming. Vancouver thought they would, um, you know, thought they would not be as good as last year, but thought they would compete. But they've been not, you know, not as competitive. So I, I can't really speak to some of the other divisions. Although I mean, Ducks and Kings, they were definitely rebuilding as well. So maybe you had, it's like kind of like an MLB where some teams just aren't really trying to win. I mean, the Sabers. And Devils, they're at the bottom. You knew they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't con- going to be contenders. So, I guess it's just a cyclical thing. I mean, Detroit again. Detroit, you knew they were rebuilding. So, I mean, coming into the year, that's a lot of teams that I just rattled off that really had no shot at the playoffs to begin with. So maybe that's that is just part of the way things are right now. Although the funny thing is that at the beginning of the season, the Jets had worse Stanley Cup odds than most of those teams that you just mentioned, minus the Detroit Red Wings. So, um, hey, whatever. It is what it is. And guess what? Jets, we were taking, we were mentioning the cool bet lines. Um, underdogs, again, tomorrow, plus 115 right now if you want to get wow. on that. We'll see, whether, we'll see whether that changes. You think Hellebuck goes again uh, tomorrow, or uh, you think they'll go to Loren Brossois? There is going to be back-to-backs mid-next week. Uh, they've kind of only gone to Hellebuck, I mean, Brossois and back-to-back, so i probably lean Hellebuck again. I think Hellebuck wants revenge on those, uh, on those boards. On the boards, yeah. Well, I mean, it was funny. When that second goal went in and you saw how it happened, it's like, you know, he was so on last night. Um, you know, literally, it seemed like that was the only way he was going to be beaten after that first goal. And, man, there's been a number of games like that this year where Hellebuck's let a goal in early and then just simply has put up a brick wall in front of the net. And we saw that for the most part last night in Montreal. He's had a couple questionable goals this season, even though he's played um, like amazing, and he's definitely you know the reason why the Jets—not the reason why, but definitely a major part of the reason why they're having so much success. But he's had some squeakers, some some odd goals. Amazing that they showed basically the same highlight of Montreal twice. I have no idea what to make of that, and I know you're probably thinking a lot of fans are like, "No, Hellbuck, don't don't go behind the net and play the puck. Stay in your net. That's where you're the best. <laughs> you're not you know you're not an elite." Puck handling goalie, but I can't. You can't fault him at all. I mean, that's uh, those are just weird, 
weird balances. He's doing what he can. I did enjoy, though, Murat uh, posted this in, from his post game. He made a crazy uh, two-pad stack save late in the game, and you don't yes. see the two-pad stack often. And his answer was, I mean, I'm really, we talk about what great answers he gives, how he's so, you know, confident in himself. His answer was, you know, if I'm making a, a two-pad stack, something's gone horribly wrong. And that's not the way he should be answering. He should be saying, you know what? I'm an amazing goalie. Two-pad stacks are the coolest kind of save you can make other than maybe flashing the glove. I want it to look awesome. And I threw out the two pads just to show them that I am the Vesna Trophy champion. And uh, I, <laughs> I don't know how, but showing a bit of humility, I guess, last game. Yeah, I thought we'll go with that. Um, I'll tell you what, I know the Earl of Eli is a big hockey card guy. We've got some other uh, crack packers uh, with us here. Um, the minute you, we, we were talking about this off air, I thought there better be a shot of that to make one of those nice horizontal upper deck canvas or maybe a special back-to-back Vesna if he uh, can do that you know, this year. Some sort of special card for Hellebuck because you, you're right. You very rarely get that money shot. Um, and we had it last night with another brilliant save from a guy that saves pretty much everything. I'll never forget. Um, I remember talking to Trevor Kidd about uh you know pemina about two pad stacks and he's like oh yeah two pad stacks are, are the best they're so awesome and he was <laughs> i told him i think i asked him about like stacking the pads he's like oh there's no better feeling than a stack in the pads i mean i'd always talk about players like i remember brian ralston would go like in on a breakaway or a penalty shot and like rip us a, a giant slapper i remember evgeny malkin in the playoffs against pittsburgh like ripping a, a giant slapper from like way too close and that's got to be an unreal feeling, just scoring on a big slapper. Goalies can't do that. They All they can do is, like, stack the pads and just, like, look awesome uh, robbing someone from a goal. You, you never see it coming, the two-pad stack. <laughs> Joe, two-pad stacks are so 80s. But really, if you were that out of position that you have to throw out the two-pad stack, you're damn lucky. I guess that's basically what Hellebuck was saying last night. But um, I don't even care what Hellebuck's talking about. We could be, he could be, you know, referring to, you could be talking about the stock market. Um, I would listen to it. He's the most entertaining and engaging player in the Jets. And I would put his interviews up with the most interesting in the entire NHL. Oh, yeah. That guy's a confident guy, and uh, I think you need that to be a goalie. If you're a goalie, uh, I think we've, it's been a long established, you're a bit of a different kind of guy. You get, you know, rubber being shot at you 100 miles an hour, and you just kind of sit there and let it hit you. So I could never do that. So I do appreciate the art of a goalie. Hey, this is for the Earl of Eli, Dan, who just said we need need a Stanley rookie card with him having a parry <laughs> by the throat. I love that. But, uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you this and hit us up in the chat with the answer. Where is the Stanley Young Guns card? Um, like, the first series came out, um, but he hadn't played. But he was in a number of games at the beginning of the season, and that all but guarantees a guy getting a Young Guns card in Series 2. And yet, Remus, I went down the list. No Logan Stanley in Series 2. I think we're still waiting for the Stanley Young Gun card. That's crazy. Um, I mean, he was a first-round pick, too. thought they would have made one. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, I think that'll be a hot ticket here. That would be sweet if it was him, you know, holding Corey Perry. And that's just. Can we talk about that play? I mean, Dylan Demello's <laughs> got his back, and like oh, a, typical it's, garbage it's cheap like, shot cross check. It's like sad that these talented players like Corey Perry, who's played for Team Canada, who's been on Stanley Cup winning teams, you have to go and hit a guy like Dylan Demello, totally defenseless from behind. I, I mean, I, I don't understand. These guys are obviously ultra competitive, but good for Logan Stanley for 
for stepping in there. And I think you just get sad when you see guys like Brad Marchand doing this dumb stuff on the ice. The Kachuk brothers, as talented as they are. There's no need for that. What are you accomplishing? So... Uh, maybe I'm just out of touch, and again, I'm a guy, I'm here in my basement house talking on YouTube about hockey, maybe I don't know anything, <laughs> but that's, well, that's my opinion a, on the thing. There was a lot of people that wished that Logan Stanley didn't, like, kind of just decided that he was going to go for it and get his five minutes worth at the expense of Corey Perry right now, because that look of terror, and again, he's got his gloves on, he's just looking to, he's got the, what, what's going on, why, why me, like, what What did I do? Um it would have been nice, and again, I'm not a big fighting guy, but sign me up for Logan Stanley beating the hell out of Corey Perry anytime, anywhere. He does kind of have that look there. He's like, what are you doing? What did I do to deserve this? That's, I like that impression of Corey Perry. And I think people people loved it. I mean, that and um, the walk of shame after getting ejected from the outdoor game, like, so quick. Oh, I uh, love that. Walk. And there was all the videos of them playing different, like, sad music. Well, you have to have, the, like, the longest walk to the dressing room. Uh, was that the Cotton Bowl? So I think you you like that. But he's a guy you want on your team. I'm not going to dispute that. But, like, I mean, good for Logan Sam. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, the guy doesn't drop the gloves. You're going to start, like, punching him in the face? Like, isn't that – I think that's a crime. Uh, we've got some info on this Logan Stanley card. So Winnipeg Chaster, I think Stanley missed the upper deck cutoff. His first game wasn't until later in the season. And then uh, Earl says uh, maybe in the next series, it sounds like there'll be a series three or an update series this year. Pullman never got a young gun card he's, either. He's been in the league for a while. Yeah. Pullman. I mean, overlooked. Like, the odds makers disrespecting the Jets, yeah. now upper deck disrespecting the Jets. That- it, is, it never ends. I like it more with betting odds because it benefits us. I hate it when it comes to hockey cards. Those guys should have cards and we should be collecting them. Like Hanela has one, Veselainen has one, uh Cop, Appleton. Is there a Niku? Is there a Niku? There is young a Niku. Gun? There is a Niku young gun. Yep. There uh, there definitely how, is. How, like Stanley was a first round pick. Uh, <laughs> and we've been talking about Pullman for a long time and he's played in games. And listen, if you see some of the other slugs that get young gun cards, like it makes this even worse that these guys haven't got them. But uh, anyway, do they know so who's the, buying uh, hockey to- cards? People in Canada, <laughs> people in Winnipeg. Come on, You're Upper right. Deck. You're right. What's going on for the weekend, Reem? Um, I'm going to try to go. I think we're trying to go to the zoo again. We got. The I was zoo about membership. to say back to the zoo. <laughs> we went if it's nice out. So uh, we went last week with my son. He's like 20 months. He's got a mind of his own. And uh, he wasn't in the mood to be there. He was really cranky. We had to carry them out of there with everyone staring at us. Who's that cranky kid? Like, we're carrying him out, and I hear overhear someone say to me, oh, I don't miss those days. I'm just like, great. <laughs> great. Th- thank you. Oh, God. I'd not- love to see this. I'd like to bring a camera crew just following you around parenting for a day. That, like, that would I be- do a good job. I do a good job. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's not, you do. Not- not easy. He's got, he's got all the words. He does watch this show, Huss, and he says Daddy and Hustler. And when I'm not on the screen, he gets upset. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Dan Milburn, Harkins and the Birdman were in Series 1. Yeah, they I were. Actually, I, got, I had the French variation of the Jansen Harkins one. You know, they had That's those sweet. rare French ones, so I, I was pretty excited about that. But um, I know the guys at Superstars are doing another break tonight of some high-end Black diamond cards. I didn't get into it. I'm sure. I'm sure the Earl's got a piece. You're of that. rattled, Huss. You're rattled. You got Detroit in the last break. 
<laughs> you, you haven't recovered from that. <laughs> no, and that's no, why I'm kind of skeptical about breaks. Like, if you get a Detroit in a box break, like, you just put your money on fire. Yeah, but, I mean, there's the element of the breaks. Is it, I mean, there is an element of luck. I mean, it's sort of, I guess it's kind of like gambling. It's gambling. I mean, you okay, know, yeah, you it's know, gambling. You know, you have a share. It could be a good one. It could be a bad one. But the guy for the same price that ended up with Minnesota uh, got two Kaprasov rookies. So, you know, hey, it's just part of the uh, it's part of the luck of the draw, as they okay, say. But yeah, fair. I did not have I, a lot of luck when I got. Uh, I still I have no idea that Detroit young gun guy, some European dude that has one goal in twenty seven games, that probably will go back to Europe and we'll never never hear from him again. Yeah, I mean, I've never been in a break, so uh, I'll, I think I need to get into see what that feeling is like when you get your team pulled and uh, see what it is. I'll get in there eventually. I like opening a pack and seeing what it is. I've like never pulled anything that that great, but it's, it's still fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, folks, geez, we only got 98 likes. Do us a favor. If you're in the chat right now, hit that thumbs up for us. It yeah. certainly helps us out. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, now going into the weekend, um, spread the word. If you're talking sports with friends, let them know. Hey, have you heard about Winnipeg Sports Talk? Uh, any any way you can get them to uh, just pull up YouTube on their phone, give us a sub, and hopefully we can uh, keep on growing the crew here on WST. Um, I can't wait. Masters weekend is one of my favorite weeks of the year, Reem. Um, and we finish off the Masters and go right into, I forgot, WrestleMania is actually two nights. It's going to be starting Saturday and then finishing up on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking at the cool bet odds. Universal Championship outright winner. I mean, it's a three-way dance. Roman Reigns, 4-1. to one. Uh, Edge, 1.9. Daniel Bryan, 2.85. That sounds like a solid main event. Are there fans going to WrestleMania this weekend? There are. There, there are. There's going to be like 25,000, I believe. Oh, my God. That's a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, it's at Raymond James Stadium. So, I mean, you know, normally like, that's where the Super Bowl would be. I'm sure it could get 80, 70, 80,000 in. So they won't have the entire thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know what? I think uh, it'll, be neat to, it'll be neat to see um, them back with fans. Hopefully it all works out. But as I said, so many of those people are vaccinated right now. Very different situation with what we're talking about right mm. now. But to be honest, that's something that I don't even want to talk about. We'll worry about it as we go, continue to doing what we're told, hopefully getting these damn shots and then be back to normal at some point soon. Um, it's going to be a great week today, Reem. And uh, by the way, folks, if you're not already following us on Instagram and Twitter at Sports Talk WPG, um, every night we've got some of the great highlights, clips from the show going out, and um, we appreciate you doing that and share those as well. What do you yeah, yeah. up we, about there back we, at the command center? We, we uh, yeah, we I put out a tweet yesterday. Give us a follow on Instagram. We're at like 960 follows. We're trying to get to 1K. We're at 992 now. So Sports Talk WPG on Instagram. It's in the description. We're very close. I'm laughing because Gary Medeiros in chat says, if you're going to the zoo, look for Remo doing a walk of shame out with a screaming kid. So <laughs> I was spotted on Saturday morning. So. Oh, this is great. Jeff goes, I'm holding you to your mania odds, Huss. And then the Earl, Jack Campbell's young gun has gone from four yeah. bucks to a hundred. That's what 10 wins in a row in Toronto will do for you. Yeah. I was, it, hashtag, like, you know, caveat in Toronto, any other city, you're not paying attention. You might go to like 50, but that's an incredible jump. I know I got an Andrew Cop rookie at the start of the season. I'm pretty sure that price has doubled from like three to six. And that's what happens when you're yeah. when you're on the Jets. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Should be a lot more. Um, anyways, if you, listen, imagine if he was in Toronto, Andrew Cup. How much that rookie would be? Oh, it would be, it'd be <laughs> right there with Jack Campbell as the hottest sellers be. in the league. 
Um, anyways, thanks to everyone that's been in here. Hit that like for us and uh, spread the word. We will be back on Monday. Um, tonight at 9 o'clock p.m., the new Lock Shop will drop. If you want to just get the podcast, search Lock Shop. Um, or just check my Twitter. Myself, Dustin Nielsen in Edmonton. We'll be popping that one out for you at 9 o'clock Winnipeg time tonight. Going after everything coming up tomorrow in the NHL. Some baseball. And I will fire up the wide world of wagering with some more from uh, from WrestleMania. And, uh, and Reem, this is sort of wild. Um, coming up in like an hour, I'm going to be making the debut on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Uh, I don't know how, uh, how many hot Jets takes I'll be able to drop on the guys there, but um, should be fun. So, yeah, 4 to 7 in Winnipeg time for those of you that uh, you know want to listen to some more sports talk. You just hit uh, Fan 960 in Calgary and uh, looking forward to that. I'll be doing that a little bit, but again, the focus is always first and foremost here. 1 o'clock with, uh, with you and the gang here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, you got a lot of hot flames takes, Huss. Are you firing the coach? Uh, who are you trading at the deadline? Uh, I'm firing the GM. Yeah, firing GM and, you know, thanking the flames for, you know, just speeding up the process of being eliminated from the playoffs. And then they can uh, get on to uh, trading some of the core pieces. So it uh, should be some fun chats with the guys. Of course, we'll also be talking Masters and staying all over yeah. that right now. WrestleMania odds discussion will probably come up, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely on the Lock Shop tonight, as I said. Uh, just at follow on Twitter at Lock Shop Bets, and you'll be able to uh, see That's that. A busy day for notifications. you. Yeah, crazy. I was saying to you off air before we went on. I'm not even like I haven't been. I haven't had a day this busy in a very long time. But you know what? Honestly, I'm thankful for. It. It's great to work with you and how well this is going. The support we're getting from people here in Winnipeg. Excited to uh, do some stuff with the gang here in Winnipeg on CGOB. And uh, really pumped to uh, get on the airwaves on Sportsnet with Rogers coming up this afternoon for three hours. So I got to go get ready for that and do it. Remo, you got to get the pods up. Um, but have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the Masters, WrestleMania, the Jet game tomorrow. And wow, we're going to have a big show packed on Monday because, of course, we will be live on the air following all the actions around the NHL as we get right into the trade deadline at 2 p.m. Yeah, we'll wait and see um, what happens. I mean, it- We'll probably schedule it right now for one, but depending on what the Jets do, uh, things things might change. So we'll have our phones on. Uh, follow us on Twitter for all the uh, to the up to the minute updates. I would say I would say that, but right now we're scheduled for one on Monday, regular you, time. You got it. Um, once again, thanks to Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza City Place, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, and our friends at Royal Sports, Cool Bet Canada, Aikens Lake, and Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. That is going to do it for another week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll be back with a packed show on Monday. All things Jets and the NHL trade deadline. In the meantime, enjoy the Masters, enjoy WrestleMania if you're into that, and have yourself a great weekend. I appreciate you joining us and all the support you're giving us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great weekend, everybody. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.